not something I said, was it? <laughs> I didn't even talk yet. People are leaving. <laughs> All right, now it's the, the young people going out. Uh, morning, everyone. We're starting a new series this morning called God Is, and we're going to talk about God's character. I did this in the first service, and it kind of got chaotic, so I'm going to ask you to finish that sentence, but I want you to raise your hand before you respond so I don't get two or three at once. So if I said God is, what do you say next? Somebody raise their hand. God is love. All right. We got love. What else we got? Powerful. All right. Someone else. Good. Creative. I think most of these are on my list for today. Anything else? Just. Just. That's on my list. Well, there should be lots of things come to mind. Maybe that's why you're not sharing. But um, this is what describes God's character in part, right? So I came across a quote. I don't know about your, your tendency when you read something. Mine is always to push back. <laughs> that just drives my wife crazy. But anyway, not, not, you know, to argue or be the devil's advocate. So I'm going to read you a quote from A.W. Tozer, and I want you to see if, how do you respond. What comes into our minds when we think about God, think about what God is? Like we ask, is the most important thing about us. And I said, ah, oh, some other things got to be more important than that, right? But the more I thought about it, everything I thought was more important goes back to what I think about God. So I couldn't argue with that statement. Now, we believe Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. That you and I have a personal relationship with God. If you're not a Jesus follower, then you're not in that relationship. Now, to be in a relationship, you have to get to know another person. So I'm going to go way back. In January of 1976, I walked into a church for the first time. I don't know if we have anybody here for the first time. So I walked into this church uh, for the first time, Echoes Mill Baptist Church. There's about 25 people there. Uh, a man by the name of Reverend Burkett was preacher. His daughter, Naomi, was playing the organ. And there was a bunch of people there, like I said, 25 or so. Uh, nobody my age. I was 24 years old. Nobody my age. Anyway, um, Naomi's children were there. My wife, Deb, was one of them. But she was only 17 at the time. Almost 18. And uh, her brothers and siblings. There was also a guy named there, there by the name of, forgot his name already. Um, her boyfriend. Anyway, he was there. So I got to know everybody there, and I kind of liked everybody there, except for one person I didn't care for too much. Ron Ritchie, that was his name. Um, her ex-boyfriend, as it turned out to be, eventually. Uh, but I got to know these people. And eventually I became the pastor of that group of people. And they got to know me. That wouldn't have happened if I hadn't walked into that building that day. And all of you walked in here one time for the first time, right? And then you've gotten to know other people here, and uh, they've gotten to know you. So, character qualities, if you will, determine 
the, 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 uh, the level of our relationship, uh, the trust level of our relationship, I might say. Um, over the years, I've gotten to a place where I completely trust my wife. All right? Absolutely trust her. I, hopefully, she trusts me. When I first met her, and vice versa. Some of you folks, I completely trust. Some of you I don't know very well. I can't trust you a, a whole lot. Why is that so important? Because we are supposed to fully trust God. So we've got to understand God to trust Him, right? So I put it this way in your outline. Meaningful relationships, whether with other people or with God, are based on our knowledge or knowledge of that other person, especially their knowledge of their character. So if I have a high, uh, holy view of God, then I'm going to, in response to that, live a high, hopefully a high and holy life. If I've got a low opinion of God, I may live a kind of a base life. So we're calling these characteristics or attributes of God. What's an attribute? Well, an attribute is a quality that belongs to a person, right? Uh, characteristic. Uh, what defines them? Now, the interesting thing is, if we are to understand God, it's important so we can understand ourselves because way back in the beginning of this book, first chapter of the book of Genesis, God created mankind and he had something interesting to say. Genesis 1. God said, let us make human beings in our image. So how am I going to know what image I am unless I know who, what God's image is? To be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So somehow males, even though males and females are different, they're both created in the image of God. Now God's a spirit. So we, in one sense, we believe we have a spirit. But we're also supposed to reflect his character, right? Hopefully my children are in some ways reflective of my character. When we're God's children, we're supposed to reflect his character. The other thing that's cool about this, I don't know if you struggle with self-worth. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm not worth much. Let me tell you this. You are made in the image of Almighty God. You should never doubt your self-worth. So on your outline, our entire worldview, the way you see things, the way you interact with things, is governed by how you understand who God is. So if we're going to get anything right in this life, we need to get this right. Because it impacts how you and I conduct ourselves, how we see other people, how we see the things we have, how we see our time. Everything is reflective on how we understand who God is. So I was going to just jump into one of the character qualities this morning, and I thought, maybe I better give kind of a foundation first. So I'm going to list 15. It could be... 20 or 30, could be 10, uh, characteristics of God. Do it briefly. We'll be done on time this morning. We'll do it briefly. I'll give you one passage or one scripture verse for each quality. I could list multiple under each one of these. And so just give us a kind of a sense of how awesome God is. We cannot put our arms around who God is. God's too big. But we can get a, get a taste appreciation, uh, a desire to know Him and to know Him more. So here we go. 
And some of these on the list you all mentioned. First, God is infinite. That means God is self-existent. God always existed. God was never, never had a beginning or an end. Uh, the word Jehovah literally means self-existent. Jehovah shows up 6,800 times in the Bible. And it's often translated Lord God or Boss God because he's infinite, almighty. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of mankind, Adam and Eve sinned, if you read that chapter, he says, the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. So he's infinite. Uh, reading from Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, no beginning, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Remember, some of you will remember when uh, God interacted with Moses, and Moses said, well, who am I supposed to tell these people who you are? And he says, I am who I am. I'm self-existent. Secondly, God never changes. You change, I change, everything changes, but God never changes. He's immutable, if you will. So consequently, I can have not just trust, but confident trust. All our trust is gauged on the trust level of who we're trusting in, whether it's an institution or a person, because people change, institutions change, but God never changes. So I can trust in who he is and what he says. Uh, Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Consequently, God can never get any better than he is now. He can never get any worse than he is now. But he's unchanging. Perfect unchanging. Thirdly, God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything or anybody else. You and I, on the other hand, are dependent uh, by nature and dependent upon God himself. Uh, reading from Ephesians. <laughs> I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with his inner strength through the Spirit. So, he has no needs. You and I have needs. He has no needs. In Philippians, he says, God promises supply our, all our needs according to his glorious riches. He created and owns the universe. No needs. Uh, number four, four, five, and six are we call the omni-qualities. Uh, we're going to give you the definition first. So first, God is all-powerful. Somebody said that, I believe, right? Another word for that is omnipotent. That means he does what he does without effort. Ever think about that? He created the universe. He spoke it into existence. I guess that's a little bit of effort, not much effort. Consequently, he cannot be stopped. You cannot stop all-powerful, can you? Uh, reading from Ephesians. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, notice what he says, infinitely more than we might even ask or think. <laughs> so God is so powerful, he can do stuff we can't even imagine or think. Or ask. 
all-powerful. The second omni is omniscient, meaning he is all-knowing, which means he never sleeps. He never takes a vacation. Somebody told me they came to church here this morning because their regular pastor or chaplain was taking a vacation. I will take one later this year. God doesn't take a vacation, does he? He's always all-knowing. Reading from Isaiah. Remember the things I've done in the past. I alone am God. There's none like me. Actually, there's no other gods. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Has God ever done that? We have all kinds of prophecies from God about Jesus, for example. Hundreds of years before he came. Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan, everything I plan will come to pass. If you're all powerful, nobody's going to stop you, right? For I do whatever I wish. I'm God and you're not. He can do whatever he wants, right? He's all powerful. He's all knowing. And the third, these kind of overlap. The third one is omnipresent. Or he's always everywhere. Simple question. Is God in this room this morning? Are you sure? Yeah, he's here. Now, he's a spirit, so we can't see him. Most of us can't see the spirit realm. People have told me they've had glimpses in the spiritual realm. I haven't. So God is everywhere. It's beyond our comprehension, right? Hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world, God's in all of them. He's everywhere. He's definitely in church worship services. Um, Psalmist says it this way, I can never escape from your, from your spirit. You ever try and get away from God? Adam and Eve try to hide from God. Can anybody, can you get away from God? Can't get away, can you? I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. Hopefully he's there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. Now, this should bring us great comfort, right? So I am never alone. I have Almighty God in my presence at all times. Unless we want to do something that's immoral, right? And so we're trying to and hide from God, even though it's impossible, ridiculous. But we do it, don't we? More characteristics of God. God is wise or all wise. or all, uh, Endlessly wise. So consequently, everything God does is the best or the best way to do anything. The interesting thing is, Scripture tells us, if you lack wisdom or want some more wisdom, you can ask God and He'll give it to you. Uh, Reading from Romans. Oh, how great are God's riches. Again, these overlap. Wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand His decision and His ways. You ever scratch your head and say, I don't know why God does that or doesn't do this. Well, that's because it's impossible for us to understand his decision. But we know he is all wise. He can't do anything that's not wise. Does that make sense? Uh, eight, uh, God is faithful. God is faithful. That means he keeps his promises. Somebody says there's 7,000 promises in this book. I never counted them, but there's a lot, right? And he keeps every one of his promises. You ever try and just keep one promise? Sometimes that's hard, right? He keeps all his promises. He's 
completely faithful. He also tells us like it is. He tells us the truth. So when he tells us that we're all sinners, you can guarantee that's true. When he tells us how we can be saved, how our sin can be taken care of, we can have a relationship with God, we can take that to the bank because God is faithful and always tells the truth. Um, Second Timothy. If we are unfaithful, and we are at times, right? Doesn't matter. He's, he remains faithful. He cannot deny him who he is. That means he can't be unfaithful. He cannot lie. People ask, is there things God can't do? Yeah, there's lots of things can't, God can't do. He can't deny who he is. So he cannot lie, etc., etc. He cannot un, be unloving or can't not be good. In fact, that's our next one. God is good. And sometimes we kind of forget that because somebody mentioned that. It's kind of simple, isn't it? But how awesome is it that God is eternally good? And he's not just good to me or you or people that call ourselves believers or Christians. He's good to all people. It rains on the just and the unjust. God is good. I like the word kind also. God is good. God is kind. The psalmist puts it this way, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Now, it's easy to say God is good, but when things get tough, do you still feel like God is good? One reason we're studying these things is people, when things aren't going the way they want, they start questioning, okay, either God's not all-powerful, or this wouldn't happen, or He's not good. But that's not true. God is always good. And he's all-powerful. Next, God is just. And this is a little complicated, and I think we'll talk about this some next week. Now, I'm not going to do this for 15 weeks, folks, (laughs) so you can relax. We'll do five or six of these. So, he's just. That means he's impartial. He doesn't like you more than me or me more than you, uh, vice versa. Um, Consequently, nobody gets treated unjustly. God is never unjust, which is kind of mind-boggling to think about, isn't it? Uh, reading for Deuteronomy, he is the, the rock. His deeds are perfect. God is perfect. Everything he does is just and fair is another word we use. We always told our kids, life's not fair. Life isn't fair, but God is fair and just. He is faithful, we already covered that, who does no wrong. Again, something else God can't do, he can't do wrong. How just, again, and upright he is. So, we're going to cut the balance justice with the next two, which are first, mercy. God is merciful. My short definition is, God doesn't give us what we deserve, right? So, We all deserve to be separated from God for eternity. We're all sinners, right? And not have a personal relationship with Him. And ultimately spend eternity in hell, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. That's what we all deserve, all right? But He doesn't give us what we deserve. So all those who call on the name of Jesus for salvation, we get our sins forgiven, and then we get to have a relationship with God and spend eternity in heaven, right? That's God's mercy, Now, his justice was satisfied at the cross. 
So mercy doesn't undo justice. Uh, reading from we read this Romans again. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. Compassion is another good word for God. And Scripture tells us He wants all to be saved, right? Consequently, without God's mercy, all of us would, would be without hope, wouldn't we? we? We'd be sinners without any solution. So a huge quality of God is His mercy. Then we have gracious. Our God is gracious. My short definition, he, definition is He gives us what we don't deserve. So he could be merciful, spare us from heaven, I mean from hell, but not give us heaven, right? He could do that. So all the good things in your life and my life are a a result of God's grace because none of us deserve anything, right? And first and foremost is salvation, of course. And by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, God's grace. Again, but justice was satisfied through Jesus on the cross. So he can be merciful and gracious as well as just. I plan to talk about that next week. Uh, Passage scripture, reading from the Psalms again. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. One of my favorite words is loving kindness. Love's a great word and kind's a great word. You put them together... How much greater word is than loving kindness? That describes God. Of course, God is love. That's the next one on our list. It's already been mentioned. But what is love? We've got all kinds of crazy ideas of what love is. Um, I like two words when I think about love. I like the word serve and sacrifice. Those of you who are parents, you serve and sacrifice for your kids, don't you? <laughs> because you love them. God served us and sacrificed for us by sending, well, creating us and blessing us and giving His Son Jesus for us. Uh, when I think of God's love, I like to go to 1 John chapter 4. You can think of 1 Corinthians 13 as a love chapter. 1 John chapter 4 is a love chapter also. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. All right? You want love? <laughs> That's the source. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. This is kind of a tough theology here. Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So this type of love we're talking about only comes from God. If you've got friends, relatives that are not Jesus followers, they can't love this way. Because God is the source of this love. We'll talk about that one Sunday, I'm sure. Uh, Fourteenth. God is holy. God is holy. Literally, it means set apart or different or perfect. Lots of places in Scripture talk about God's holiness. Revelation chapter, what chapter is it? Chapter 4. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, we already read this, who is and is still to come. We'll think if we can talk about the holiness of God. And then, God is glorious. I don't think anybody probably would have gave me this on the list. But um, 
Scripture describes God in such glowing terms. He's glorious. And then it says he, he created us to bring or give him glory. Just one place. You can read a lot of this in the Old Testament. Uh, one of the prophets says this. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Glorious, right? Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. So, short list of who God is. Major characteristics of who God is. We can get a, a small or begin to get a grasp on Almighty God. A couple other things and we'll be finished. Some of these characteristics or attributes are incommunicable. <laughs> kind of a big word. What does that mean? They belong to God and God alone. Like all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. None of us can ever achieve that, right? These attributes belong to God alone. But they are communicable attributes. Attributes in this list. That in God, obviously, and in a small way in us. Um, believe it or not, holiness is one. Uh, wisdom is one. We already talked about. Uh, we just talked about love. These are attributes that God shares with us or we can also um, possess. Then one other thing. What's the relationship of these attributes? I already said they're interconnected. They're inter intertwined. First, they're all present in the entire Godhead. So, God is holy, Jesus is holy, and of course we call the Spirit Holy Spirit, right? God is all-knowing, Jesus is all-knowing, Holy Spirit's all-knowing. So, they're present in, in all of God. You can't say, you know, one's got this quality and one, because God is one. Uh, we call this a trinity, three in one. All are eternally pre-existent in God. So, God has always been holy. He always will be holy. God has always been wise. He always will be wise. Um, sometimes we fall into this trap where we, we describe the God of the Old Testament as different from the God of the New Testament. Same God. And we already said He never changes. I think some of His qualities are emphasized more in the Old Testament maybe and others in the New Testament. Same God. Never changed. Pre pre-existence. And all are again inseparably, there's the word, interconnected. I'm trying to combine those two words. Inseparably interconnected. So, God's love is holy. His wisdom is holy. His grace is holy. Interconnected. Sometimes we kind of divide, try and divide God up like a piece of piece of pie, you know, this holy part of God and this love part of God and, and this wise part of God. No, 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 God, it's all interwoven, just like your character qualities are interwoven. So, question end up with, why are these so important? We started talking about that at the beginning, because your understanding of God and my understanding of God impacts our entire life. So if I've got a misrepresentation of God in my mind, it's going to reflect in my life. Best example I can think of, anybody worry? Don't have to raise your hand. You ever worry? Now, let's think back to our list. If our list is true, 
and you're a Jesus follower, do you and I have any reason to be worried about anything? No. But we worry. We fret. We have a misrepresentation of God in our minds. I put on your outline. If we're going to live godly lives, Jesus followers supposed to live godly lives, right? We must know what God is like. When we know and understand even a little bit what God is like, we can so much more enjoy life. Isn't life a lot better without worry? Absolutely. So he gives us this instruction. Actually, it's in Leviticus, I believe. Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel, all God's people. You must be holy, because I, the Lord God, am holy. So if I'm made in the image of God, and I'm supposed to be like God or like Christ, then in some small way, you and I are supposed to be holy. And another place in Matthew chapter and the Sermon on the Mount, 5, 6, or 7, uh, Jesus said, you are to be perfect as I am perfect. So, oh, there was a final question I want to leave with you. Well, actually, two. Of these 15 attributes, or if you want to pick some others uh, from a list, which one is most meaningful to you? They're all meaningful, right? I understand Grace is, grace is one of my, I have really close to the top. You've got to have love near the top. I, I know. It's, it's just dwell in and focus on and think about one. Kind of uh, let God uh, uh, touch you in that area of your life. But then I'd ask you the other question. Which one do you find difficult to accept? Again, can he be all powerful and all good? Just be getting started. This is the foundation, folks. Hopefully you're excited about this. I am as we study the attributes of God. Let's pray. God, you are indescribable, obviously, but you do reveal a part of yourself in your word because you want us to know you. You want us to connect to you. You want us to love you, want us to love you and to worship you and, and to bring you glory. So we thank you for the revelation we have. We pray you continue to reveal yourself to us. And we thank you so much that you took care of justice with your mercy and grace so that we could know you and be in relationship with you. We pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower. Today would be the day, right now, this minute, would be the time that they acknowledge you as the Almighty One and then realize that they're separated from you by sin. If they confess that sin and accept your gift of salvation, they could be born again of a new life into the family of God. We pray that you would make that decision this morning. Uh, most of us are Jesus followers, and so we want to give you our worship. We desire to be holy and perfect as you are holy and perfect. And we thank you in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen.